Good Monday evening, everyone, and thank you for spending part of it with us. Downtown at LA Live with DeMarco JB here and in Thousand Oaks, the head coach of your 3-1 Los Angeles Rams. We say good evening to Sean McVay. How are you, coach? I'm good. How are you guys doing? So help us uh, understand and explain why a game in which you never trailed, you win by eight. Why does a wire-to-wire -wire victory in which your defense doesn't allow a touchdown feel so, I don't know, unsatisfactory today? Yeah, I think that's you guys, not us. <laughs> so, uh, you know, what I will never take for granted is a win in this league. Uh, what I was encouraged with is that, you know, I think sometimes you can let the fact that, all right, we've had pretty good offensive production through the first three weeks. But I think what I'm encouraged about is there's different ways to win football games. And that's what we found a way to do. Our defense did a great job, stop after stop sudden change after the first turnover on our second possession offensively that they hold them to a field goal and you know Darius being able to close it out but I did think that what the offense can take away is uh, understanding when you look at the film a credit to the Giants they did a nice job but these are things that we expect to execute at a higher level to to then be able to be more efficient have the points reflect in that but when we had to be at our best those guys answered the bell they made an eight play drive uh, that ended up being the you know the game-winning touchdown, and uh, we did it as a team. So uh, this, there's no style points. I always say stats are for losers. Uh, we're just interested in trying to get a win. No doubt. Uh, you know me, Coach. That's that's my type of game there. 17-9, you're living and dying on each play, and it's up to the defense to pull it out. That's my kind of stuff there. And that's right. You know what, though? It, it goes down in the win column as the same. Yeah. You know, last time I checked, whether you win by 30 or you win by eight or you win by one, you know, you still it goes down as a win, and um, that was an important thing. One of the things I'm not going to do is take for granted a win. Uh, I think sometimes you can let your expectations get in the way of the enjoyment. I did that a little bit last year. I'm never doing that again. I heard somebody today, they said it was an ugly win. I said, have you ever heard of a pretty loss? You know, <laughs> that, no question. Yeah. Well said. A win's no. a win. Uh, but yes. I, I do have to say this, uh, the bar, and you guys have kind of done this to yourself. You've done this with the change of culture. The bar is set pretty high that you can win a game and people are still not satisfied with a victory. Yeah, and I think that's why we always try to be inside out and not outside in because we understand the things that we need to do to play better football collectively in all three phases to ultimately get the caliber of wins that we expect. But a win is a win. I mean, I just think this league is too competitive. Uh, when we looked at the film of this team, uh, I, you know, I thought it could be one of those games and ultimately our guys pulled it out when it mattered the most and uh, really hats off to a lot of big key contributors across the board from our team to get it done. Sean, one of the things we talked about last week on this program was maybe being a bit firmer on the edge, feeling the edge rush presence a bit more in week four, and whether it was Oboe or Samson bouncing back or Hollins having his snap count increase week to week, it seems like that was a big check in week four. It was, you know, and, and I thought uh, you just mentioned it, whether it's Oboe, Hollins, you know, Leonard continues to be disruptive, even though he had a sack that got called back. Um, it was really encouraging, you know, and then our, our interior presence has really been uh, pretty steady throughout. So been very pleased with those guys. They did a nice job yesterday. Yeah, I, I want more oboe, like more cowbell. Let's put <laughs> let's put him out there. I mean, can you just coach him like nothing you do is wrong and just get off the ball and make something happen? Yeah, I think so. We'll, we'll, we'll have to tell Chris Shula that coaching point, man. We might have to just let you start coaching him, man. It's that easy, huh? I love it. No, I mean, but he's uh, he's shown improvement. I saw him warming up before the games. First thing I thought was, wow, that dude looks like he's in shape, like no body fat. And he's improving every time out, and he's getting to the quarterback now. You're exactly right, DeMarco. And, and he is, uh, he's a guy that as he gains experience, he'll gain confidence and learning reps. And um, there's definitely a lot of good things that will come of that. And, and uh, 
We'll see if we get Terrell Lewis back potentially this week as well. What is the latest on that front? I know he practiced with you. Yeah, he did a good job. You know, I thought he, you know, he, he had some steady progression as the week increased the last week, or really he increased his progression as the week progressed. Um, and so this week is, uh, it's looking positive that we might be able to get him up. How close was Jordan Fuller to playing, and should we expect him at safety in week five? Yeah, he's, he's making good progress. Uh, we kind of had a, a feeling that there was a possibility. We wanted to be smart with him, and he's such a smart, conscientious guy. Uh, he's so tough physically, but there is an element of with some of these things, you want to make sure that we're protecting him from himself. And that was kind of more what went into that decision. But I do think that, uh, he should be in good shape to be ready to roll this week. All right. You're going to have some, uh, like you said, champagne problems. I mean, you've got some pretty good safeties and there's not so many spots. So, I mean, how do you divvy up the playing time when Taylor Rapp played like he played? Yeah, he did a great job. I think, like you said, it's a champagne problem. Uh, we'll look to see if we get this plan together and um, see what it looks like as far as the personnel groupings that we want to try to activate against the Washington football team. And uh, I think we can find a way to get all those guys on the field. What about new bumps and bruises coming out of week four? You know, really, uh, Michael Kaiser got banged up a little bit with his groin and his pec. Uh, he'll be day-to-day. -day. Bobby Evans got a little shoulder tweak on the field goal protection. And then Kenny Young uh, just had a little inflammation in his knee. But uh, Mike is the only guy that uh, we'll see how he progresses throughout the week. Both those other guys, uh, I, th I think Kenny should be good to go, whether we practice him on Wednesday. We'll, we'll determine that at, uh, a little bit later. And then uh, we'll see how Bobby's shoulder's feeling once we get all the checks out, uh, once we check him out uh, and get all the examinations. And you feel pretty good about Troy Reader. I mean, he was in the game. He's played for you last season, knows the yeah, defense. Yeah, I, I, I thought last year was really helpful for him to just seamlessly step in, do a really nice job. I thought his communication was outstanding, his command, and uh, I thought he ran the show on that second level and did a really nice job. Sean, we may play the rest of the season and not have another player across the NFL have two bigger interceptions than Darius Williams has had so far in Philadelphia and at SoFi Stadium yesterday. What has his kind of clutch performance meant to the Rams so far in 2020? Well, it's been uh, it's been instrumental in two of our three wins. I mean, you look at, uh, you know, Philly was driving to potentially take the lead at the moment that he got the pick on Wentz in the, uh, in the red area. And then yesterday, that's a game clincher. So, uh, you can't say enough about just, you know, the plays and the caliber of player that he is and, and his ability to make the plays when he's in the right spot. And, you know, those two weeks have definitely been reflective of that. What is it about him? I mean, you study corners and, and secondary guys. You, you make a living off beating the pants off him. What is it about him that puts him in, in position to make those plays time and time again? Yeah, I think, I think it's the ability and, uh, and then just being able to make the most of it. You know, we always talk about playoffs, and, and, and he's maximized his playoffs to the fullest. I mean, both of those are examples of, you know, great short space quickness and great ball skills. I mean, you're talking about two difficult catches. I mean, that was a howitzer that uh, went through a couple weeks back, and then, you know, Jones ends up throwing a, a, a firm ball to the outside. He undercuts it, puts his foot in the ground, and, and closes the game out. So that was a great way to be able to end it. It shows you the caliber – you know, just the kind of the mental resolve and the toughness that this guy has to, to be able to make those plays. I was happy it was him because of what happened in Buffalo. You know yeah, what I mean? That, yeah. I, I, yeah, I think it was, you know, he made the play. And, and really, I mean, if, if you look at it from last week, you know, we're, we've kind of moved on from it. But I think he was in such a good position that it, it's almost a little bit of an optical illusion the previous week. <laughs> the guy kind of had to go through him. and But we're not going to go back to that spot. So. <laughs> 
For Darius, four interceptions in his first seven career starts in the National Football League, and we all know it should be five because Dallas owes him one. That's the most by a Ram since Dre Bly in 2001, most by any NFL player to start his career since Byron Maxwell with Seattle in 13 and 14. We're chatting with uh, Sean McVay, head coach of your Los Angeles Rams on the Coach McVay Show, anticipating week five and a trip to Washington. With DeMarco Farr, I'm J.B. Long. We're downtown at L.A. Live tonight. Hey, a, a nice perk of the versatility of Jalen Ramsey playing in the slot. Turns out he can blitz. He can. Yeah, he, he can do anything you want. And so uh, yesterday's game was, was a good representation of that. Played a little inside, played a little outside, blitzed him a little bit, made some plays. Uh, and that was uh, that was good for Jalen, and those are uh, that's a big winning edge for us. Man, he he plays a different. Everybody's sprinting in pursuit. Everybody on defense doing a great job in pursuit, but it, it's just different with him. You know, I mean, he he gets there faster than most, and when he gets there, it's it's with bad intentions. I just yeah. love watching him play. He arrives violently, and uh, yeah, he he did a great job. I think you know you see too things are sped up inside at that uh, that you know the nickel we call it the star position and. I just think that's a real credit to, you know, what a smart football player he is to be able to, you know, have that versatility. And it, and it gives us, uh, you know, some real flexibility with him that is something that we definitely don't take for granted. Any follow-up on this Monday to what transpired post-game between uh, him and Jalen uh, and Golden Tate, beg your pardon? Yeah, I, I just think, you know, we, we want to learn from it. Uh, we want to eliminate the, uh, you know, the, the way that those things come up. And we talked about it, and now uh, we'll move forward accordingly. Oh, it was nice to see his teammates rally around him. It was certainly uh, in a moment that got uh, that got heated, but the play he made on the field when those two went head-to-head uh, helped you secure that win on defense, Sean. It really did. You know, that, that play, when you watch it in terms of just the individual effort to go through the back and then through the uh, through Golden Tate and, and all within the confines of how you want to play physical but, but also legal in this game, that was a huge stop. Uh, and then it led to the next scoring drive where, uh, you know, ended up going up eight. And in that game, it, that felt like more than eight. Yeah, another game where you, you, you held the team without a touchdown. Uh, yeah, it's huge. Yeah. I mean, huge for, for a, a first-time defensive coordinator, huge for this defense, huge for you. He's, he's done a really nice job. And, and I think, uh, you know, all of our guys are really starting to understand. I think yesterday – saw a lot of the things that, that we want our film to look like, uh, really express himself in a variety of situations. And it, it was exciting to see. And now let's see if we can build on it against Washington this week. Hey, what's for dinner up at the facility this week? Uh, they got uh, some rice bowls with a little chicken, some carrots. So uh, hey. seeing if I can sneak bites in between this right now. No, you're, you're doing really nicely. We'll take a quick <laughs> break here and let you finish up, and we'll continue with a look at the offense against the Giants as the Rams improve to 3-1 and one for the fourth consecutive season or better under Sean McVay's leadership since he was hired in 2017. Now they're going back to Washington, one of the franchises that helped Sean get his start. We'll talk about all that tonight on the Coach McVay Show here on 710 ESPN. All right, the Rams are back on the road this week. Another trip to the East Coast, an early kick in Washington against the football team. We continue with DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long. This is the Coach McVay Show Week 5 edition, and Sean McVay joins us from the Rams facility in Thousand Oaks. You know, some people scoffed, some people chuckled last week when you said that it was, quote, a real pain getting ready for that New York defense. But my goodness, seeing it in person and watching it again back today on, on television, did they miss a tackle? I mean, they came ready to play. They did, yeah. And that's that. You, you said it. I mean, that's kind of uncharacteristic. It's a credit to them. And then, you know, there were some plays that we've made and that I expect us to make that we didn't. And you know, especially in the past game. And 
with the efficiency that Jared's been operating at and some of the separation that we had with our receivers, um, those are things that, you know, our guys take full ownership on and um, we use them as learning opportunities. And, and fortunately, uh, you know, we got an opportunity to be able to, uh, to get back at it this week against the, you know, the Washington football team. Well, number one, uh, I was steamed because you turned a guy loose up front, and I think he got the sack on the play. And I was steamed because no one's ever turned me loose ever. <laughs> really. Yeah. I, I've never been turned loose. But was that more of a we slid the wrong way or we didn't get it communicated out through the entire offensive line? Uh, well, according, you know, when you des- describe what happened, both. We didn't slide the right way and we didn't get it communicated. So that was something that can occur, especially in the red area. Uh, I was upset about that one, but but it does start with, uh, you know, making sure that there's clarity on our end. Um, starts with me, and then our players ultimately have to be able to execute. But that was uh, that was a missed stop on our part. Uh, and fortunately, we didn't have to learn the hard way. He goes screen, screen there to finish up that red zone trip. You do get a field goal, which got you to 10, proved to be enough uh, in yesterday's win. But going back to even Buffalo, it seems like defenses are sitting on the screen game. Do you sense that a little bit, too, in terms of what defense are trying to take away from your offense? Not really. Uh, those are situations that I'm not worried about being predictable there. I just wanted to take the points. Um, you know, both those situations the last couple of weeks were third and long. Didn't want to do anything where you got a chance for a, a good reward and, and low risk on those situations. Uh, it's kind of like a two-minute drive starter. Mm-hmm. That, that's an, a big alert for the screen, and I'm okay with that because in those uh, those two specific situations that you're referring to, um, it was more about all right. Let let's not turn the ball over or go backwards at all. We'll take the three and and a uh, little bit more of a conservative approach in both of those situations. But sometimes those are decisions that we have to make as coaches, and um, it's kind of a high alert. So. Give them credit, but but it is something that I'm aware of that they're they're in tune for that as well. Hey, they get paid too. They're pros, you know. Yep. Yeah, that's what they train for. Uh, the, the turnover, Gerald Everett's fumble, uh, gave them life. Um, could you say it took the wind out of you guys a little bit? Uh, you know, I don't know that. I think giving them life is the key way of putting it. You know, because we get a good stop, then we go 12 plays, and then uh, it's going to be at least probably a nine, ten yard gain, and. Um, the backside defensive tackle reads out of the stack and makes a great play. And so um, that definitely did uh, give them a little bit of life, enabled them. They got a field goal out of that drive. And those are just things that, uh, you know, we got to understand how important every single play is and uh, got to do our part to make sure you don't give them a, a, a chance at life. Now it's coming off the first touchdown sequence where Gerald gets a rushing touchdown. And I, lo- I love the, uh, the plays that you kind of paired on first and second and goal there. You're in 13 and you run the jet with Everett at the snap, but the handoff goes to Daryl off tackle. And then second and goal, again in 13, and this time you do give it to Gerald for a two-yard touchdown. I'm sure those plays are kind of paired in your mind or in your call sheet, but did you necessarily intend to run them back-to-back if necessary? Yeah, you know, it's a good point, J.D. I, you know, I, I would say, J.B., that I didn't uh, necessarily think about looking at it as back-to-back calls, but definitely paired. And, and when we got efficiency on, on the first down where you get the three-yard run, you know, when you're on the five-yard line, it gets down to the two. You're saying, hey, look pretty good. Uh, got a little bit different response from their, the edge than what I had anticipated even for that first run. So we felt pretty confident that the jet sweep to Gerald would walk in. You know, what really struck me on, on this Monday morning watching it back was you don't get to that point without a third down and eight. Goff kind of find a contested backside check down to Malcolm Brown, who stabs it with one hand and gets through a tackler. That was a huge catch, you know, and, and really, if you look at the next sequence on, you know, three on the third series, the third down, he was uncovered again that we could have found him. So 
Um, he did a, Jared did a great job finding them and Malcolm made a great catch. And that was a huge third and eight conversion. It was our only third and six plus conversion of the day yesterday, which, um, you know, was, uh, was a positive. And that's what you see what happens when you went on third down, you usually give yourself a chance to finish drives and score points. And, and that was why we did that. Uh, should we read into, uh, the fact that Malcolm had more carries, more plays, uh, than Daryl Henderson? No, I, I think, um, you know, sometimes the way the game unfolds, I think it was a good game for Malcolm. He had some tough third down and uh, short conversions, fourth down and short conversions. But overall, our, our rush ops were limited because we weren't nearly as efficient on third down. Um, we really just weren't as efficient overall offensively, which I think everybody would say they, they understand, which is why you talk about an ugly win. But uh, all very correctable. I was much more encouraged watching the tape and you know, in a lot of instances, you'd like to say like you're kind of feeling the flow of the game and you're and you realizing why things are aren't working out. And, and our guys kind of understood that as well. And uh, those are things that we expect to do better moving forward. What did you leave the game thinking? Uh, like what area of the game did you think was not good? And then you watched tape and said, you know, that was better than I thought. Uh, none. I really I wouldn't say any of that. I think oh. it was kind of more reflective of just the simple execution on things, specifically in the past game that I expect us to do better. I, I had a feeling it would be a dirty run game. You know, they're so big inside. They commit a lot of bodies up front. And that's where you have to be able to take advantage of some of the voids on the back end. And um, I, did, I expected us to, to be able to have a couple more explosives on some of our early down and distance pass game that, that we didn't get. Yeah, until Cooper Cup ran down the middle of the field. What, what was it in terms of inability to get vertical? I mean, sometimes it's protection. Other times it's coverage or quarterback decisions. Could just be targets not winning their routes, which is something your guys seemingly always do. What answers did the film provide in that yeah, regard? Yeah, I, I think it's just really just, you know, kind of making good decisions. It's it's Each play is a little bit different, JB, but uh, we, we had our chances. We've made a lot of these plays, and, and we just didn't make them yesterday. Mm. And whether it was even just given the opportunity to try to throw it as opposed to throwing a check down or, you know, just being a little bit off or not being as stout in a blitz pickup. You know, I, I think about even on the third series on second down, we had an opportunity with Van Jefferson um, going down the left sideline and he and Robert Woods kind of on a slot combination that we ran off of a, of a jet motion. And um, we got a little bit of push with the nickel pressure coming off our right side and, and Daryl got pulled back a little bit and moved Jared off his spot. And we just kind of missed the throw and catch that typically we would uh, have better protection and, and be able to complete those. But those were some of the plays that they forced us not to, to be able to finish. And I think that led to them having an efficient day defensively. Pretty good day on teams, right? Special teams wise. Yeah, nice did a good job. Yeah. yeah and and I, I think we had a good kick return. Um, I thought uh, I thought we did a good job, you know, to have, I want to say it was around like a 42 net punt average, but you know, the, the, the type of uh, perfectionist Johnny is the first thing he says is I got to make sure that uh, I'm not kicking those touchbacks there. And um, you know, he's such a stud and it was good to be able to uh, see him have some production yesterday. When you go out and you do grab Raymond Calais off of uh, Tampa Bay there, kind of as we start this season, was was return in that role what you envision first and foremost, or do you also see him as a portfolio uh, member of your backfield? Yeah, I think uh, as of right now, you know, I, I certainly don't want to rule that out, uh, but it's been, you know, there's a lot of stuff that he missed in terms of the intricacies of our offense, but he's got ability, and it was as a returner that also has some some flexibility as a back, but do feel good about Xavier Jones being able to step up if need be as well. That kid's got some wheels, man. I mean, he's a tough runner too on that he kick is. return. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was, uh, 
it was, uh, you know, it was a good return. I'm not sure about the decision to bring it out, but it was. Uh, <laughs> he, he, he's lucky that he made it right. If you do it, you better hit it. And, and Cooper Cup on punt returns. Two returns, yeah. 16 yards, getting better. Yeah, he did a nice job. He uh, he, he did, and, and I thought uh, I thought we were just better overall, like you guys mentioned, and that was an encouraging step in the right direction for our teams. And Cam Akers should complete your top three at running back moving forward, it sounds like, this week at Washington? I think so. You know, I, I think that's uh, that's what it should look like. But uh, like anything else, we'll take it a day at a time, and we'll, we'll see how he's feeling and how he's progressing. You referenced Van Jefferson there uh, in an attempt to hook up downfield with the rookie receiver. You know, his, his snaps have fallen off the last couple of weeks, I think eight and three respectively. Is this a case of a rookie just kind of battling through some things? Do we expect too much too soon from him? What would you describe there for Van? Yeah, I think we just I just got to do a better job, you know, connect with Coach Yarber. It's nothing he hasn't done. Um, you know, these games have been a little bit tighter mm -hmm. each of the last couple weeks. And we did some different things that, that maybe err on the side of, of feeling good about, you know, some of the continuity at the receiver position that we've had with guys that have been in those situations. But but really, it's nothing that Van hasn't done. Uh, we'll look to see, continue to see him get more involved, and, and those are things that uh, that's that's something that I've got to do a better job of. And I thought Reynolds made some nice plays. Oh, he's been oh yeah, he did. No, no, no question. I mean, you feel really good about Josh, but I think uh, the, how good you feel about our four receivers, you know, is uh, is a good thing. And we got to make sure that while you know uh, how good and productive Robert and Cooper are, it's still good to be able to spell them and. You have Josh get involved, but also Van a little bit more as well. It seemed like New York was as determined as any defense we've seen so far uh, to get upfield, to keep Jared between the tackles, to take away some of that bootleg game. Was was that reflected in the film, or was it something else that kind of kept him more stationary? Yeah, no, that, 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 that showed up in the film. You know, they, they brought a couple external pressures, and, and those are some situations where, uh, you know, typically we, we have some things that we can do otherwise, but they did a nice job. You know, that, that was something that I did think that they would be real uh, cognizant of is, is trying to make sure that they didn't allow it. They wanted to bottle everything back inside. But that's kind of really where I wasn't as disappointed in the lack of ability to get explosives off of that, but more the play action game where we had some opportunities to set up in the pocket mm -hmm. uh, where there were some kind of windows down the field that typically, you know, our guys are able to take advantage of. And like I said, I, it's a really good learning opportunity. I, I would love to see us have more consistent production, but what I was pleased with that I never want to take for granted, like I mentioned earlier in the show, is is just the guy's ability to find a way to get it done uh, when we needed it most, and and that was uh, I think I think that's a real positive takeaway. And then when they look at the film, they're saying, oh, these are all things that we can we can do, and and we'll be excited about attacking the opportunity to do it better this week. I, I never understand you, you're you're whining about you know being one for two in the red zone offensively, but you ignore the fact that they were zero for four. <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's uh, there's there's always, uh, you know, it, it was a great job by the defense. And, uh, you know, we expect to produce a little bit more offensively, but we do win and lose as a team. And uh, to be able to get that dub, it, it still goes in that left hand column with a check mark. The Rams complete their lap through the NFC East in week five, a trip to Washington. We'll talk about Ron Rivera, what he's battling on and off the field as we continue with the Coach McVay Show, week five edition on 710 ESPN. All right, back to the East Coast for the third time in four weeks. The Los Angeles Rams are three and one. And they were uh, fortunate in our minds and our hearts to play yesterday. I don't know what you, about you, Sean, but we went to bed on Saturday night thinking, man, this, this Saints positive test could be trouble. We've already postponed two games for Sunday. What were you thinking as you kind of woke up Sunday morning and surveying the landscape? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking the same thing as you. It, it's just, uh, you know, I think things have gone so well for us these first few weeks that you can uh, be lulled to sleep and take for granted how volatile this thing is. And uh, there was a lot of good dialogue uh, amongst a lot of, uh, you know, kind of the top officials around the league with the league office about what's important and how we're going to really make sure that we do everything in our power to, to stay in alignment with the protocols, the risk mitigation, and making sure that uh, we try to finish this season up and, and get through everything and, and through the Super Bowl. Is that what you tell your guys after practice straight home, nowhere else, try to limit where you go? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, we've kind of been ed- educating them on that from the jump. Uh, what's really important, what are the things that we can do and, and making sure that, you know, every decision that, that they make outside of this building doesn't just affect them. And, and they always know that, but, but those have been consistent with things that we've talked about from the jump. All right, now off to Washington. Of course, everyone will point to this week your connections to that franchise, a different regime in place now. In fact, I think more coaches are with you in Los Angeles than are there left in Washington. But what are your emotions as you prepare to go back to the East Coast in the Beltway? Yeah, it's uh, – it's a very different, you know, I, I, I don't recognize many people that are left there. Um, a lot of people that were really special to me and a lot of great experiences, um, you know, with that organization. But uh, to me, it's really, uh, it's a difference. It's, it's going to be a totally different deal. And we're going to go try to get our fourth win. It's like, you know, playing the laundry, I guess. Like you said, there's not that many people uh, that were there with you, but it's still the laundry. I, I'm sure you still have some of their old equipment somewhere everybody does uh, if you travel throughout the league so it's got to be a little bit special going back there yeah it's it'll be special um it will be but like you said i think the the people make the place and a lot of those special people are out here with me so Hmm. um i'm i'm enjoying that uh i had a great experience there but we're going back there to try to go get our fourth win Uh, Washington fell to Baltimore 31-17 in week four. Uh, Ron Rivera is battling cancer, as as you know. He's got three more weeks of treatments remaining, including a round of chemo, actually. Uh, Found something in his lymph node this summer. Can can you even imagine the the strain and the stress of the job that you hold, Sean, and doing it when you're way less than 100% healthy? I really can't. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. You just just have so much – respect admiration for what he's going through uh, I really think so highly of him as a man and, and as a coach and it, it's it's hard to even uh, you know fathom what he's going through and just the, the the amount of appreciation and admiration that I have is uh, you, you can't really even put it into words I had a chance to meet him twice uh, coaches convention and I think the senior bowl and both times he, he took time out of his life just to sit and talk with me for like 15 minutes and just what an awesome guy. So, you know, thoughts and prayers are with him. But like you said, going there for a victory. you got to put it aside, right? Yeah. No, you, you said it. But uh, I think that says as much about who he is as a man. And it's a lot of the same with me, DeMarco. I got a chance to meet him when we first got out here, um, you know, in 17. And he treated me, uh, you know, he, just the, the respect and the time. I mean, that's that's something that just I think is a, is a great reflection on who he is as a man. You know, the pregame story before they hosted uh, the Ravens was that Washington could move on from Dwayne Haskins potentially if he can continue to struggle at quarterback. You know, he he may have done enough to earn himself another start. At least that's what Rivera said afterward. How are you handling that in your preparation this week, Sean? Yeah, it's a good question. I I think, um, you know, Dwayne's done a nice job. We know that uh, Kyle Allen is very capable as well, so I think we have to be ready for, for either one.
Yeah, 11th career start yesterday, over 300 yards for the first time in his career, rushing touchdowns, 70% completions, no turnovers. It, is that even fair necessarily in your evaluations of young quarterbacks that you've been through previously, including Jared Goff, for it to kind of rest on the quarterback given his surrounding, surrounding circumstances? No, and that's where I think even just looking at the stats, I think you got to watch the film and see, all right, what, what were the opportunities? How did he play each snap? Um because whether it be good or bad, I think the, those stats, I think, can, can be misleading for a variety of reasons. And so until you really dive into the tape, um, I think that's why, you know, you talk about playing each play as its own entity, but you evaluate each play as its own entity. And certain plays have more weight than others based on the amount of pressure that's put on the quarterback position in some of those known passing situations. But um, definitely don't use the stats as your guide. You use the film as your guide. No doubt. Uh, and stop me if you've heard this before. A another football team with another good defensive front. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, we just talked it's about that, right? pretty consistent, right? right? Yeah. It's, it seems like that's uh, – there's always going to be a couple of those guys that seem like they were taken in the first round that uh, keep you up a little bit later than you'd like to at night. Yeah, Chase Young missed uh, with a groin, suffered in week three. We'll see his status for the Rams upcoming. But they still have Ryan Kerrigan opposite uh, Montez Sweat, who's another first-rounder there. So even if, if Young can't go, I think the pass rush will present pr uh, plenty of challenges. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's there's a lot of problems, a lot of guys on that front that have been high picks, uh, and then they've got the production to match where they've been drafted. You've been around Kerrigan. What's he like? I, I like to watch him play, but what's he like as as a player? Uh, he's a stud. I mean, he's consistent, reliable, uh, steady against the run and the pass. Um, he's got a great steady demeanor. I, I really always enjoyed being around Ryan and he's one of those guys that just seems like he's producing and always in the right spot to, to be able to make a crucial play at, in crunch time. And they're playing for defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio. And given what we spoke about with Rivera and all the peripheral concerns that he has in his life right now, I'm sure that's a valuable asset to have on his coaching staff, someone with head coaching experience. And you've seen uh, enough of Jack Del Rio to know what his defenses will present, Sean. Oh, yeah. He's, he's a great coach. A uh, lot of success in this league. And, um, you know, I know they're going to be ready to go. And this is going to be a great challenge for us. And, you know, we got to have a great week of preparation. And I'm looking forward to the opportunity to compete. All right, coming up next on the Coach McVeigh Show, DeMarco Farr sat down with Orlando Pace, who had a chance to evaluate the Rams' offense here in 2020 under Sean McVeigh. We'll play you one of his comments and let the head coach of the Rams react to a Hall of Famer as we continue on 710 ESPN. All right, before we bring Sean McVay back into the Coach McVay program, I'm here with DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long, downtown Los Angeles tonight as we prepare for week five, a trip to face the Washington football team. And, DeMarco, uh, you have a new podcast, and I yeah. want you to set up this conversation before we uh, bring Sean McVay uh, into it. Talking to big Orlando Pace, Hall of Famer Orlando Pace. Uh, when you talk about the greatest show on turf, it does not happen without him at left tackle. Hmm. Uh, no help, and he could shut down just about anybody. So just catching up with him, and I asked him about, do you watch this current football team, and what do you think? And he had some pretty interesting things to say about your football team. All right, Mike Pearson, let's hear about the, the, the way McVay has that offense rolling, play action, everything. It seems like they're only running about three plays, but they have so many different variations of that those three plays, and they're just getting it down. They got some pretty good weapons. <laughs> Well, I know it's not that simple. I've, I've seen your play sheet enough to know that it's a little bit denser than that. But what do you think of the evaluation from the Hall of Famer? No, I think he's he's on it. I mean, the, the reality is it's kind of we talk about the illusion of complexity. But the goal is is to, to, to find your identity, do those things, you know, really well. But um, there's also got to be some flexibility on our end to, to be able to adjust and adapt accordingly. But 
through those first couple weeks, I, I would uh, I, it, I would agree with the Hall of Famer. <laughs> I think another thing that came up, right, is he would have loved to have played in this offense. Oh, that, yeah. that from the outside looking in, he says it's very offensive line friendly. He if loves that, Witt. He it, loves Andrew Whitworth, no doubt. Yep. If, if that's true, why do you think it's beneficial from a system standpoint for offensive linemen? Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, you want to have a system that's beneficial to the players and it's always about them. Um, I think, you know, if, if we're able to run the football efficiently to be able to have that sameness in your run actions and your play actions and some of your screens and your bootlegs off of it. Uh, I think that those are where you're in situations that the offensive linemen feel like they're on the attacking end, as opposed to just feeling like you're letting the D line tee off on you all the time. And, um, some of the drop back phases of your offense, but, uh, I, I think you, what you always try to do is adjust and adapt and, and tailor your offense to your players' skill sets and, you know, the offensive line, the quarterback, your tight ends, receivers, and running backs. And what we do is a, is a result of what we feel like is there in their best interest. You know, while, while we're on this subject, I always wanted to know, how do you guys come up with these shifts and motions? And I, I guess the point is to create confusion and make space for certain plays, but how do you come up with the sequence on who moves and when and where? Oh, that's a, that's a loaded question. Is right it there. really? Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think uh, it depends on, you know, we'd, we'd have to watch a play and I'd be able to tell you in private so we don't give too many of oh. our secrets away. But I think, um, you know, there's always an intent, you know, it's not just to look cool, uh, but, but it is always to try to, you know, give us an advantage pre-snap or, you know, have it as a complimentary play to something else that we have coming in later. And, um, make offenses defend, you know, make defenses defend every blade of grass with the width and the depth of the field. And in a lot of instances, a lot of those motions can kind of apply pressure to the defense. And we'd want to try to do that in a variety of ways, but the motions, formation, shifts, and, and tempo is a big way that we try to do that. Hopefully this question isn't too inside of Rams football, but one of the plays you found success with is, for lack of a better description, kind of the late tight end leak. You know, on that bootleg action where you look back middle to, to Higby, Everett's had some success. You've even used Cooper Cup in that role. How do you how do you teach that in terms of the right timing, the right complement of making sure, you know, that the front side of that play is protected from a blocking standpoint, but you also have a target late in the play for Jared available? Yeah, it's just a feel thing. I think they want to, you know, they understand based on exactly how many eligibles we're distributing to that side of the keeper, where they fit in the progression. But in a lot of instances, it's it's helping get on, get us on the edge and then just kind of finding a soft spot in relationship to Jared. And he does a great job opening the nose up by outflanking with speed. And then our guys kind of just get a feel over time for some of those soft spots in the defense based on how the, uh, you know, the, the pursuit ends up unfolding. And, you know, unfortunately that was one of those plays that uh, we ended up fumbling on yesterday. Yeah. You're kidding. Uh, no, no kidding. Um, <laughs> as for Tyler Higby, since his three touchdown performance in Philadelphia, have you seen coverage gravitate toward him in the last couple of games? No, not necessarily. I mean, we just, uh, think yesterday really we didn't have a whole lot of production uh, outside of that one drive in the past game that that is in alignment with some of the things we've seen those first three weeks but I think uh, you know when you look at it uh, Tyler had a, a couple big plays against Buffalo ended up having a huge 31 yard catch you know against those guys a couple weeks ago that led to then Robert Woods on the next play and had a big two-point conversion so Tyler's made his impact but I think you've seen Gerald get a couple more opportunities as well. David Edwards uh, improving I, I think you found your five right this is your old line yeah he's done a really good job I, I've been pleased with David uh, the game makes sense to him he's playing more physical he's playing smart and so uh, he and Witt definitely have a good rapport and, and then uh, so do he and Austin Blythe 
I was talking with Aaron Cromer a little bit, uh, I guess last week it was, and he, he had a nice job describing how going to work this offseason, one of the points of emphasis w was being able to target every gap with your rushing attack, right? To get outside left, outside right, right down the middle and everything in between to make defenses respect where you're targeting your rushing attempts this year. Has that been reflected in the success so far, even with yesterday withstanding? Yeah, I, I think uh, I think we've done a good job. I think really more than anything, it's just having a little bit more of a versatile run menu and and, mm -hmm. and some different personnel groupings that we can activate as far as far as you know committing six, seven, and possibly eight guys to the blocking surface. So um, that's the big thing for us. I think we've uh, done some good things, but uh, but there'll be some opportunities based on the defenses that we're going against where you might see a little bit heavier, you know, uh, emphasis one phase of our run game to the other but definitely uh, agree with what he was saying to you no doubt uh, look at this point in the season the quarter poll I mean three and one four and oh, I mean four and oh is definitely optimal but three and one is uh, you've got to be pretty excited about where you are as a football team and there's more room to grow on both sides of the football that's exactly right you know and, and that that's the thing that I think is the most important is is that we just continue to grow uh, it is only a quarter of the season, which, you know, if you said, hey, how many teams last year were three and one or four and oh, could either of you guys tell me? No, exactly. So no I'm one cares. Thinking. Right. You know, it's about <laughs> it's about what you do moving forward. Uh, I think this has put us in a good position to build off of it. But that's uh, that's what we've got to do. And um, there's so much stuff that uh, that we can grow and learn from. There's a lot of really good things that we want to continue to do. But through four weeks. Uh, we, uh, you know, we're, we're in a good place, but, but certainly that doesn't mean anything in, unless we do uh, good things with it moving forward. Rams, Baltimore, 49ers. What, the teams from last year? Yeah. Gave me a second to think about it. <laughs> Not as fast <laughs> as you, Coach. <laughs> uh, look so, at Go so, ahead. But, they, but there's more than that, right? right. Tons. Because you're yep. just naming a few of them. That, yep. That's The point that I was making is that I, if you could name them, I'd be impressed because – whether it was, all right, who was 4-0 and or who was 3-1, and nobody remembers that because right. there's still 12 games left. You know, you could tell me, hey, who had the best records? Who were the top seeds after 16 games? So understanding that this is putting yourself in a position as long as you do right going into week five next week. And that might be the week where we see uh, Terrell Lewis make his first appearance as a Ram. I'm sure there was a very good reason, multiple good reasons, why he was a top 100 pick for your group. Can you give us kind of a scouting report on when he does break through and, and put the helmet on, what fans can expect to see from him? Yeah, I think you can expect a versatile player. He looks like a build-a-player from Madden. Um, so he certainly looks like what you're supposed to, but he's got rush ability. He's got length on the edge. Um, you know, I, I've been very encouraged when, with the limited opportunities he's had as far as just being able to project, all right, this guy's got some of the things that you're looking for, but, you know, his availability will be the biggest thing uh, because his skill set, his size, all the, you know, the measurables are exactly what you're looking for. And if he's able to stay healthy, I think under Chris Shula's teacher, you know, you know, guidance, I should say, being his teacher, I think we can expect some good things, but I'm excited as much as you guys are about seeing him get out there and compete. No doubt. I mean, look, be, between him and Leonard and and um, and Floyd on the outside, I mean, my goodness, that's a pair of bookends for you. It is. You know, it's good size and, and two guys that can play in both phases. And so we're uh, we're looking forward to, to seeing if this week represents the week that he gets a chance to make his debut. 
Would you say that's characteristic of the defense that Brandon Staley wants when you kind of drew it up, whether it's draft or free agency and the pieces you acquired, like being able to funnel everything back inside, hopefully get some early run stuff to allow you know, your pass rushers to earn that opportunity to have some fun on third down? Yeah, I think that's always ideal. I, I think you earn your opportunities and you earn your right to be able to rush, you know, the quarterback by being efficient on those early downs. Um, but again, we're looking for production off the edge. It's not exclusive to just the size, uh, but but it just so happens that Leonard and, and a guy like, um, you know, Terrell are, uh, you know, big guys that they can do those things you know we, we saw the fruits I think last year especially late last year of, of the timing and the rhythm that Dante Fowler got into as he played kind of part of his second season with Aaron Donald and around Aaron Donald in conjunction with him in, a, in the pass rush is there still some of that a lot of that maybe to be realized with this group playing in conjunction with the best pass rusher in the game there is and there is and and uh it's an understanding of all right what's our rush plan week to week how are the ways that we want to try to um be able to, to get AD to do his thing. And, and in a lot of instances, he's kind of able to do that on his own, but, but there's definitely a rapport and, and uh, you know, repetition ends up being a, a key thing for those guys to, to be able to play off one another and, and still be able to keep our rush lane integrity. I, I know he's always positive, but my God, does he see a lot of attention? Aaron Donald. He does. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what makes him so great though, is he finds a way to still influence and affect the game week in and week out. Uh, when you know that every single week the key to the game for our defense is to not let AD ruin it, and uh, he seems to always uh, find a way to do that. Here's my oddball of the week. Don't worry, it's not too far out there. It actually <laughs> involves something that you experienced a, as a coach in the preseason, believe it or not. There's a there's a series called 90s Week on The Athletic, and one of the questions they posed was, whatever happened to split backs, split back Ooh. offense? And the jumping off point for this conversation, believe it or not, was the Rams preseason. Remember when you hosted at the Coliseum John Gruden his first year back? And uh, they, they alleged that he was kind of trolling you by opening that game with, with two backs. I think mostly you're just trying to run the football and get out of there as soon as you could. Uh, yes. But it, it nonetheless kind of posed the question, whatever happened to that formation in professional football, why have modern offenses gone away from it? Well, uh, it hasn't gone totally away. If you remember against Philly, they got into split backs with Jalen Hurts and threw the wide middle screen last week. Yeah. You look at some of the things the Niners are doing in the offset gun. They've gotten into a lot of split backs. Uh, Coach Reed still brings that stuff to life. So I think you are seeing some of that, uh, you know, where in a lot of instances, you know, the gun run inventory has increased. So instead of just being underneath the center with split backs, but you are seeing some of those split back looks out of the shotgun um, that some of those similar old school concepts. I mean, shoot, if you guys go back and, and you watch, uh, when John Taylor ended up catching the little nod route to win the Super Bowl with Joe Montana, uh, they were in a split back look before. Uh, it's it's crazy some of the split back looks. So the game goes in circles. So shoot, maybe you'll give me some ideas. We'll come out in some split backs this week. <laughs> That's right. That you got enough of them now, IG. don't you? That's right. <laughs> You could take and you could technically say we were in a couple split back looks when we motioned Higby into the backfield against the Bills a couple weeks ago. Okay, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> I like it. It just makes me wonder, like, like how much is out there that you, in a parallel universe, would love to kind of add to your repertoire, or, or would love to dip into and see how it works, you know, with against a matchup specifically, perhaps, but but maybe not. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's definitely uh, something, you know, it's, shoot, if you want to, you could say that we were in a split-back look when we gave Gerald Everett the jet sweep. That's true. 
I know it's more of a wing look. Don't be that guy, JB. <laughs> no, I'm, no, I'm not. I'm not. I, I think it's fascinating. And, and I know, I mean, to, to hear you call back to John Taylor in the Super Bowl means oh, that, man. like, you know, th- this stuff is never too far from mind, even though there's a couple decades of separation. Oh, it goes in circles. I mean, you watch. Uh, none of these plays we're making up, you know, it's, it's all just uh, copycats of what somebody did uh, at a really high level long, long time ago or maybe read more recently. I, I agree, except for that little throwback screen to the middle you were just talking about with yeah. Yeah. That seems like that play was made up by accident. It might have been. The old Y-check middle, I bet you that was a nightmare for you. You were peeling on the screen and then the tight end's going down the pipe and you're getting yelled at by – Oh, God. Oh, God, you have no idea. you having to read out of the stack there? Oh, I would have looked at you and just gave you some. Oh. <laughs> Since you mentioned Philadelphia, I mean, how about that Sunday night game? I'm not sure how much of it you got home for, but certainly uh, the highlights of the, the score across your radar. I mean, is that not the quintessential example of kind of what the Rams had to battle through uh, in terms of human psychology and the, the National Football League challenges? It is. I mean, you just realize, I mean, you know, it's a great team in the 49ers, and the Eagles are very capable. They made a couple plays. I did watch that game, and, uh, you know, because I'm still a fan of the game, but but what it does is it, when you just look around the league, it gives you a perspective of why you don't take anything for granted. And um, no matter how you get it done, you know, you got to cherish it and enjoy it. And, you know, there's so much work that goes into it, but there, there is a level of uh, standards and expectations we had, which we'll never apologize for, but not at the risk of enjoying the wins. You know, I, I just had too many examples where when you look at it, you're saying, got to make sure you're enjoying it. I think there's some examples where I wasn't enjoying it enough, and uh, I'm not going down that road again. Uh, how do you stop yourself from not going down that road or stop yourself from going down that road? I talk to myself about it, you know. <laughs> I, 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 I talk it out so that I'm listening to myself and my own advice. Uh, but you, I think it's also, too, you know, you surround yourself with great people like our coaches, our players. It's always good. Uh, you know, to have my family around, you know, my dad's such a good sounding board for me too. And you guys have met my dad. He's, he's Mr. Positivity. So uh, that uh, you do become the company you keep. That's really important. What is the moment in the week when you are farthest from football? Like the moment where your laptop is nowhere to be seen. You don't have the clicker in your hand. You're away from the facility. Uh, It's a good question. I would say uh, Sunday night after our games, you know, I, I try to uh, really decompress. And then and then Friday evenings after I get, uh, you know, I do a couple of little things on Fridays, and then uh, I try to, to unwind on Friday evenings as well. Interesting. Yeah. Well, Sean, thank you as always for spending always. Uh, Monday night with us. Congratulations on a 3-1 and one start. We promise not to remember uh, how many teams are 3-1 and one or better at this stage <laughs> of the season. We there will only go. look back uh, in December. Safe travels to Washington. Best of health to you and everyone inside that Rams bubble. All right. Thanks, guys. Always enjoy it. All right. For Sean McVay, for DeMarco Farr, I'm J.B. Long. Thanks for listening to the Coach McVay Show on 710 ESPN.